This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good afternoon. This is Front Row on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Padma Shri Dr. Ananda Shankarjayant has been described as one who inhabits the worlds of administration, academics and the arts, but straddling them with equal ease. A Bharatanatyam and Kuchipudi dancer and guru as well, she was awarded the Padma Shri, India's fourth highest civilian honour for her contributions to the field of dance. She has performed across the world and she has been in Malaysia before, but she's back for her very first, first performance since the pandemic uh, and she's set to perform with her disciple Neha Satinapali in a dance show titled Tiagaraja Ramayanam. She joins me now to share more. Welcome, Dr. Ananda. How are you today? Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me here, Juliet. It's such an honour and a pleasure to be here. The honour is mine. Thank you so much for joining me today. Really such a pleasure to have you in the studio. And I know you just flew in, you know, and the performance is tomorrow. So yes, yes. <laughs> really happy yes. to have you here. So can, can we go back to the start? You know, I was reading that you were introduced to dance at the age of four and it has something to do with your really lovely, beautiful eyes, which I'm looking now and I can understand. Yes, it happened uh, in a temple, in a, a Shanmuka Muruga temple uh, in Sikandrabad in South India. Uh, and I was four and like every good mother, my mother dragged me to the temple. <laughs> and uh, there, um, you know, after the Arati, there was a senior lady who looked at my mother and told, um, your child has got large eyes, you should teach her how to dance. So my mother said, <laughs> But we are not from here, you know, we are from Chennai and I don't know whom, you know, I really do want to teach her. So this lady, you know, turned on and said, well, I'm here, I, mean, I can teach her. <laughs> so I've always said this, you know, I said, this is looking back as great market savvy teacher, hang out in temples, find chubby kids <laughs> with maybe big eyes. And then have them. So that's how I got introduced uh, at the age of four. I, you know... Marched up the staircase to Teyate. So that's how it all happened. <laughs> what a remarkable story. And I, I know I was reading also, your mother did have you know, a background in the arts as well, mm-hmm. right? And she was quite an influence on, on yes, you Yes, my as mother well? Subhashini Shankar was a Carnatic musician and a violinist. Uh, she was a student of T.N. Krishnan, the mm. renowned violinist. And she was very keen, you know, that all of us were part of the arts. Yeah. So she was very very clear about that. So that's, I guess that's how we all got into the arts very early. Excellent. And can you talk to me a little bit about your training in dance? Because I know you trained uh, at, you know, very, very renowned institution, right? So, you know, after that early training uh, with this teacher called Sharada Keshara, my first teacher, and then another teacher, Ken Pakirswami Pillai, the brother of the renowned Dandai Dipani Pillai. And then I won, you know, like all good children, good dance students, some awards here, a medal here, a scholarship there. And I was invited, uh, you know, one summer I went across to meet Rukmini Devi Arundel and she said join <laughs> you know it was as simple as that Wonderful. and at the age of 11 I exchanged pinafores and science and math textbooks I was in a convent school mm-hmm. and exchanged that and joined Kalakshetra as a full-time dance student and when I came back you know after that meeting I told my father uh, I want to be a dance a student and he said uh, what happens to your school you'll be a school dropout I said no I'll do both so at Kalakshetra I did six years of Bharatanatyam mm-hmm. doing a diploma and PhD diploma during the lifetime of Rukmini Devi Arundel I was amazing. there then amazing wow. it was and I also studied so you know yes. so I continued my normal education as they call it but that was very important for you yes. isn't it I was reading because you know I, I, what was it you got you got in trouble isn't it you got caught studying or did I read it correctly <laughs> yeah in the sense some, you know it would clash with my dance classes yeah. and you know there would be run-in with teachers but overall it was fine I mean they they I, I finished my graduation in commerce all through long distance education wow. while I did a full-time uh, course in dance diploma PG diploma six years mm-hmm. so 
it was like two tracks. I kept doing that because I was very clear in the very early days of my life. I don't know how that, you know, clarity came, Juliet, is that, you know, sometimes dance doesn't, you know, in the initial days or even later, it doesn't pay you to yeah. run. So I said, you need to cross subsidize your dance with something else. And that comes with education. Otherwise, you'll be, uh, I would think, compromising your art. So this was some clarity I had. So that's why I kept staying with with doing both. Okay. Okay. And was that, you know, was that something that, you know, took a lot out of you? You know, was it, did you ever find it difficult, you know, no. sustaining? No. no. It just came naturally, right? I think, you know, I think we, we under, as humans, we underestimate ourselves. We think we can only do one thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I come from the firm space of understanding that we are not meant to be just, you know, it's, it's too diminishing to just say we'll only do one. Mm-hmm. Because I believe that life cannot be an either, you know, passion or profession. It cannot be an either or or option. Yeah. That can be for your you know, bank account, either or or not, <laughs> not for life. And I think life is you know, larger and 24 hours is a long time. Yeah. And I think we, we should spread ourselves short, to take in as much as we can yeah. in the short lifespan that we have. But you know, for some like dance teachers and dance gurus, right, they feel like maybe you're diluting the the art, right, by you know uh, pursuing other things no. or yeah, some love. I, I mean, there are there are there is that that perspective that you're not full time, quote yeah. unquote, into dance. But what is full time? Yeah, <laughs> yes. I mean, what who is full time in anything? I Correct. mean, if you're all doing so many other things, even as you know, uh, as a working mother and a mother, you're doing multiple. You're really doing multiple things. So I don't think there's anything. And I think if you if you're in multiple areas of you know unlearning. And understanding those trainings you bring to your art. For example, I went on to be a bureaucrat. I went on to write the um, the national exams, the administrative exams. I went on to serve in the railways as a senior officer in the railways. And my learning of my art, you know, the egalitarianism, the grace, the beauty, um, and the way you deal with people, I brought that to my very hierarchical, hierarchical, infused government space. Mm-hmm. And from here, from the government space, I took back with me systems, organization, structures to a very, very chaotic, crazy, you know, <laughs> harebrained kind of art world. So yeah. I think they helped. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. I think and that cross, uh, informa- you know, cross understanding and learning. marriage of it all, yeah, right? Yeah, I think yeah. it really works. And I, I would really recommend, you know, young generation artists to not get, I mean, look, it's like this art in itself is a very tough paying job. Mm-hmm. Let's just face the <coughs> elephant in the room that in the initial days, the return on investment is going to be far less than what you would anticipate. Yeah. So you would be frustrated, angry. You want to be, you know, match up. You want to build your life. And then you tend to compromise. So I would advise youngsters to, you know, do whatever it takes. Teach you know, bring the money in, mm-hmm. not necessarily through your dance. If it comes well, good for you. Mm-hmm. Or if you have an you know inheritance that supports it, good for you. But if not, and mostly it's not, then do something else that will subs- you know cross subsidize your art, and you will you don't have to compromise. Mm-hmm. So I I believe in this space, and I would recommend that in the the way forward for the young generation would be that. Okay, and that is exactly how you've lived your life, yes, isn't absolutely. it? Yeah, and, absolutely. And I was reading you were the very first lady officer, isn't it, for the South Central Railway? Yes, <laughs> and that was also an interesting experience. It was interesting because as I keep, I told someone, you know, I, suddenly I was this woman um, <laughs> gone through with mustachioed, macho, <laughs> you know, very male space, and they said, sir, you know, in India, mm-hmm. everyone is still saying, sir. 
intern, ma'am, in the government space. They still haven't come to first names. Sure. So they said, ma- sir, to me for a whole month. <laughs> sir, I'm like, who's sir? <laughs> who's a sir? <laughs> so, you know, it was like that. But okay. then, you know, they learned uh, to accept the way I work because I would work differently. I would not, you know, use much invectives as I would call it. So I would, I would, you know, come from a very different space, and I think that helped. Okay, all right. Lena, let's just talk a little bit about your dance, right? So you, I mean, uh, classical dance, of course, Bharatanatyam, Kuchipudi, uh, and, and you know, you are well known for your contribution as well to contemporizing classical dance. And but this was something I was reading that was very interesting. You said that when people talk about contemporary dance, it makes you feel puzzled because the term doesn't make sense in the Indian context, right? right? Could you expand on that? For See, us? what happens is if you're looking at contemporary dance. As is understood in the in the international sphere, it is about a dance that was a rebellion to the classical ballet. Right. So it's it's a it's a it's a counter to the classical dance movements, the me- the methodology, the the narratives that was brought in. In India, the the idea of contemporary is not a, it's not about being a rebellion from one style because there's so many styles in the first place. Mm-hmm. So I would I look at it as more like an abstraction that you derive from the learning that you have learned from your classical space. So there are uh, contemporary, I'm using that word for want of a better word. Uh, It's it's really not the Western contemporary. So what you're doing is you're abstracting your movements, you're abstracting the content and the the, the grammar Mm -hmm. to some extent from the space of your classical learning. So you have dancers who come from Mohiniyatam, who come from Kathak, who come from Manipuri, who come from Bharatanatyam with other movements thrown in and the narratives uh, could be traditional, could be what is around you. Yeah. So, for example, in 1992, I did something called Jonathan Livingston Seagull of Richard Bach, yes. where I abstracted from the Bharatanatyam format. I didn't, I never hit my feet, which is so anti-Bharatanatyam. And I used jazz music. So, mm-hmm. what is happening is you're playing with form and you're playing with content. Yeah. Jonathan Livingston Seagull, <laughs> jazz. <laughs> so, this is, this. I, I would say that in my understanding, Indian contemporary would mean this. Okay, all right, and and in in that, was that considered, uh, you know, a bit going against the norm? You know, was it well widely accepted, or did you face any sort of like backlash? I didn't that? really fight to go against the norm. I would do both the classical. I would do a Krishna Mande Jagat Guru Ma Buddham Sharanam Gachami, and in the middle, I would do something like. Okay. See, I w- I always. Um, did whatever moved me, touched me, tickled me, or bothered me. You know, <laughs> for example, uh, why did I do Jonathan? Because I said, "Hey, I need to bring young dance." I was also inspired by the book, of course. Um, for example, my my production called "What About Me" in 1999 was at that point of time my question on gender. Okay. The various gender issues, you know, uh, that still continue to bother us. But, you know, that it, we have come away from that. So I don't really do that production anymore. It was done with English contemporary poetry. Okay. okay. Right. So it, it was written by a police officer. So it had those kind of inputs. Then in 2005, uh, I found that you know, there were a whole lot of audience uh, who were, I was, where are the youngsters? I said, where are the under 20s? They're like, oh, classical. Oh, you know, they were rolling, <laughs> rolling their eyes, eyes up. They yeah. would rather go west. So I said, look, I'm going to show you how fun this is going to be. And I did something called 
dancing tales panchatantra which was bringing the panchatantra you know the panchatantra is similar to the aesop's fables actually aesop's fables were copied from panchatantra <laughs> okay that's so, a discussion for another day <laughs> yeah but it is historically is, yeah. yeah historically it's vishnu sharma 5th century and then it moved via via persia for to sure, yeah that's the, that's sure. the path so um panchatantra i did again it was fun it was it was not very uh, classical bharatanatyam costumes and i found the young in and i said look this is the beauty of this style you can do what you want you can do a traditional work which i will do tomorrow for you you can also do something like this mm-hmm. and that's how you know my my as i said my way of in entering into this has various reasons okay all right and so you know and, and you've continued to perform you know all throughout and uh, so of course you know in 2007 that's when you received the padma shri award but uh, the following year unfortunately you were diagnosed with cancer and you know you've spoken extensively about yes. how you conquered cancer and how you stayed on dancing i mean can you just share that story about uh, <laughs> uh, 2008 um, I, you know i was I, i felt a lump in the left breast just before i was going for a conference to america went and did the mammogram and left mm. uh, came back and my husband received me in another city we live in hyderabad and he came to mumbai at 4 o'clock and i'm like that's romantic okay. <laughs> 17 years is lovely i love it <laughs> then he broke the news he said yo the results are malignant you need to go into the you know to the doctor space so that day in uh, the, after the test my doctor said yes this is cancer and i'm like I don't have time for this. I have a show coming up. I have a big festival that I'm curating with the who's who of the dance world dancing in two weeks, three weeks. I don't have time. Mm. He said, sorry, you have to get in. So, yes, I was angry, irritated, frustrated. And I shed copious tears when I went home because I was hearing words that usually you don't hear. And I was correlating it differently, you know. Mm. When I heard the word cancer, I said, ah, this is my friend's zodiac sign. <laughs> Stage is what I dance on and grade is what I got in school or didn't. get in school oh, <laughs> kind wow. of thing so <laughs> really dissociation yeah, in that sense yeah so i'm like this is new words you know but then i uh, came back and i was telling my husband jayanth was driving back and i said is this the end of the road and he said no i said no 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 not as i'm not worried about life or anything like that i'm worrying is this the end of the road of my dance he said no take a break two years you'll be fine you know just as i said but i said no i really you know this two years i can't take this break not because of anything because that's who i am mm. so what i did juliet is i dried i've said this many times many people have heard this but i'll repeat it uh, i made three very loud affirmations to myself i said i will ride it out i will not allow cancer to ride me i will not say why me because we tend to do that don't we when yeah. good things happen we never say why me mm-hmm. but when something goes wrong we'll say god why did you do this to me mm-hmm. you know we tend to do that uh, so i said no i'll not do that and the third thing is i said cancer is one page in my life it's not the book of my life i refuse to allow cancer to invade my rest of my spaces i said i'll deal with it i'll deal with you but i'm not going to allow you space more than that this was a decision i made mm-hmm. and 2008 still people were not talking about it it was still hush hush mm-hmm. i said i'll talk about it so i actually would pick up the phone and say you know what i have breast cancer to all my friends and my mother in law why are you doing this <laughs> you didn't say this for your award last year i said no no i have a reason for this <laughs> the reason being you know um in southeast in in southeast asia in asia mostly in asia i would think in india of course when someone is unwell we go meet them we tend to go with very long face very sad face and you know and i said i don't want this i don't want people you know coming with this um, 
mm. you know, kind mm. of thing. Looking at you with the head yeah. turned sideways. I'm, like, yeah. I'm yeah. fine, you know. Yeah. So that helped. And I said, I'll dance through it. Mm-hmm. I said, I will. I don't like the word cancer. I prefer the word dancer. I said, I'll shift, shift the alphabet from C to D. I said, it's easy to do. <laughs> so I would, you know, continue dancing. It wasn't easy. But the power of dance the the stepping into the studio dancing uh, the grammar the philosophy the spirit that invaded me to such an extent that it pushed away the what i call the clamor clutter and melodrama of cancer it comes with it okay. we don't know but society and medical situations uh, make you go through a lot of clutter you know emotional clutter social clutter you know and that and melodrama mm. that's because medication is such that got pushed away because I was in this beautiful space of dance. So, um, and I was able to dance weeks after surgery. I danced through chemotherapy. I would adjust my chemo cycles. I tell my doc, uh, I have a show tomorrow. Can I come day after work? They're like, really? (laughs) But they were so helpful. They were really adjustful. One one day here or there is really not going. And they found that, you know, I was recovering much better, much faster. Okay. And I did huge, a huge conference, a seven-day conference in Chennai in the middle of uh, my chemo. Amazing. You're remarkable. So I think what happened is I shifted my focus from cancer to dance. Mm-hmm. And that shift, as I call it, you know, we used to, nowadays we don't have gear shift cars. But if you, have a, if, you, if you remember a gear shift car, if you shift the gear, you understand that the, the, the vision is different. If you, if you, can, you can stay here and be miserable. Or you can move out and just deal with it. As so I, I made that choice, mm-hmm. and of course, family and friends and the doctors and all that was was a given. But uh, this is finally cancer is a mind game, Juliet. It's I mean, for that matter, any illness is a mind game, and all the more cancer. And I tell people usually, you know, if you have, a, say, for instance, a blood pressure or a, you're a diabetic, you wear it as a badge. Mm-hmm. But cancer, you don't. You get nervous. You get hit. I think maybe it's the media. Maybe it's the melodrama that it comes with. Maybe it's what society is throwing at us. Maybe it's movies. I don't know. So if you are able to shift this mind space and deal with cancer as a mind game, of course you have to go through your medication. Deal with it, but don't allow it to invade your mind space, mind and spirit. Is what is my advice? Is what I learned from it, okay. and to help you ride that. And I go back to my dance to help you overcome something as uh, big an obstacle as cancer has been made out to be, which it is to a large extent because of the extended, uh, you know, recovery period. What will help you ride it out is your core strength. And I make a distinction between core competency and core strength. We all talk of core competencies. Like I'm a core, my core competency is dance, your core competency is communication or media. But I'm saying something else. I'm saying core strength. Mm-hmm. Core strength is personal. It cannot be taught. Core strength is what you derive from your unique talent, from mm-hmm. your unique passion. That is where your core strength comes from. Why does it come from there? Because it is where you are the most happiest. It is something that will give you strength. And when you're, where you're happy, you'll get strength. So I advise youngsters, you know, while you're chasing your core competency, engineering, doctor, this, lawyer, etc., etc., don't give up on your core strength. 
And you need to know what that core strength is as well, right? And know that it doesn't is, matter. Even in, if I'm saying it doesn't matter if it's an if it, if it is not a brilliant core strength. Sure, but you, even if you're a bad bathroom singer, just deal with it. Just yes, stay with yes, it. Something where, where you're happy. Like. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever your core strength is. So some of us, the core strength will also be your greatest career. Like for tennis, maybe a tennis player, you yeah, know, yeah. Djokovic. <laughs> He's, his, his core strength and his career is fantastically jo- But some of us may not have that option. <laughs> so I come, back, I come back full circle to the beginning of what I said, that your passion, your unique art, whatever it is, stay with it. Nourish it and nurture it from your core competency space, which is your job profile, working, earning space. And at some point when life will challenge you, as it will, don't believe life will not challenge you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to be, I mean, not to be very, you know, I'm saying the business of life is to challenge us. My challenge has been cancer. It could be something else for someone else. But when something, when that happens, where will you get the strength to ride it out from your core strength, which is your passion, which is your unique talent? Yeah. So I think that is, if you're able to sort this out, I think you're done. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that, Dr. Ananda. And, you know, of course, now you're here in Malaysia. Uh, we're delighted to have you. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about the performance that's in store? And you've got your disciple with you as yes, well. Yes, yes. I'm delighted to bring Tyagaraja Ramayanam, uh, an ekahari or a mono ballet, um, which, which is a mono ballet now recreated as a duet with my student Neha Satanapalli. So we're pre- uh, presenting this, bringing Ramayana uh, through the vision of the Saint uh, poet Tyagarajas. He lived in the 18th century. He was considered one of the uh, triumvirate of um, music, Vage Karas, as they call, music composers of the Carnatic music style. And he had, he's composed enormously and, you know, humongously on Rama. Mm. So and he, he has, he's had a reaction or a, a, a way of looking at each episode. So I've selected some episodes because it's too large a piece. I selected some episodes of the Ramayana to look at not just the Ramayana, also as to what Tyagaraja is thinking or reacting or questioning or uh, commenting on the Ramayana itself. Okay. With little Valmiki shlokas strung together for continuity, which have been composed by my mother, Subhashni Shankar. The, the Tyagaraja uh, Kritis, as they call it, are all from the original Tyagaraja. Okay. So okay. it's a one-hour uh, piece of work, non-stop one-hour work, with um, Neha and I uh, doing it together as a duet this time. Okay, is this the first time you're doing it as a duet? Yes, okay. duet overseas. We did it uh, online and in India recently over the last year. Very recently we made it into a duet. It's been a solo piece for as long as I can imagine. And okay. it's been a, one of my longest running works. Okay. All right. Well, can't wait to see it. It's happening. Please do come. <laughs> it's happening tomorrow, the yes. 17th of June uh, at 7pm at the Tansri KR Soma Auditorium in Wisma Sambadan. Uh, it's presented by Kalpana Dance Theatre. And I think for more information, you just need to contact 017-672-5672 or 013-247-2045. I'll pop that information into the podcast. Dr. Ananda, thank you so 
so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Juliet, for having me. It's been such a pleasure being here. Thank you so much. Absolute pleasure. Pleasure was mine. I was speaking to Padma Shri, Dr. Ananda Shankarjayant, a Bharatanatyam and Kuchipudi dancer and guru. She will be performing in Tiagaraja Ramayanam. Do get your tickets right now. Uh, the performance is only for one night tomorrow. Get your tickets now. And if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always search for the podcast at bfm.my slash front dash row. You can also find it on the BFM app. This has been Front Row on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.